0: And just welcome the presence of the Lord into this place Come on, He is worthy to be praised He is worthy to be praised I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning I'm so glad to be here with you And we can gather together as the church on a Sunday To lift up the name of Jesus And I just want to invite you this morning To just join with us in this song of worship today And we're going to get into the word here in just a moment But let's start this day with some worship here today My God matter what you're facing God is able to get you through it he's more than enough you can ask Abraham he's the one who said he is Jehovah Jireh my provider in the moment of need God showed up amen amen God bless you you can be seated here this morning I'm going to ask our ushers to come here today we're going to receive our offering this offering today does go towards our Sunday school ministries I'm so thankful for every Sunday school teacher that we have around this building here this morning that is teaching our, our kids. And, and if you have any children of uh, anywhere from one to up through high school, we would welcome you to or have them go to class today. Uh, and this ministry or this offering that we're about to partake, or take up today, if I can get my words right, uh, this offering we're going to take up here this morning does go to support all of that Sunday school ministry. So we thank you for giving today. If you could just bow your head and ask the Lord to be with us in this place. Lord, we are so thankful for this opportunity to come here today. Lord, let your word uh, minister to us, speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would just bless every uh, Sunday school class where anybody is gathering this morning. Lord, that you would just help them, uh, Lord, to be open to receive your word. Lord, thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, if you want to grab your Bibles this morning, we are going to open up to the book of Romans, chapter 16, and we are um, going in a different direction than what we had. If you've been with us the last several weeks uh, as we've been going through the blessed life, I felt to go in a different direction here today, and I'm excited about What God has in store for this service, this gathering uh, here this morning, and uh, I believe that God has really does have great things in store for today. And uh, we're going to start here this morning in Romans chapter 16, and we will read somewhat of a lengthy passage, but it is the last chapter in the book of Romans, and Paul is writing this letter to the church there in Rome. And in the surrounding region, and in doing so, as he closes out his letter, he begins to list off uh, many names of individuals who have been a blessing to the church. And uh, we are going to be talking about this morning God's blueprint for the church. That God has a church today, uh, but His uh, His church, His church. Note, it's not our church. It's not. My church it's his church but his church was established two thousand years ago and I believe that uh, we can never do any better than the way that God established it from the beginning uh, we are restorationist in theology here I want to restore back to uh, restore back the the first century church go to that model go to what God was doing then and I don't need to take my blueprint my ideas for the church from Uh, from anybody else except for Scripture. And so uh, we'll go, Romans chapter 16. We're just going to pick up the beginning in verse 1. It says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church which is at Sancria, that you receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succour of many of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. We see those two names come up in several different letters of Paul. And even in the book of Acts, there's Priscilla and Aquila. It says, who have from my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Eponidas who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Stachis, my beloved. Salute Apellus, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren, which are with them. Salute Philologus. I'm getting some uh, ideas for names here for my son that's about ready to be born. And Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them, salute one another with the holy kiss, the churches of Christ. Salute you. All right, maybe an odd passage to open up with here on a Sunday morning Bible study. But the reason I go through this and read this is to cement in our minds this idea that the church did not ne- merely consist of the 12 disciples, and Paul, and Barnabas, and some of those men of notoriety, these individuals who we see going and doing great things, and we read much about them, and and we see all the great works that they were doing. We know of Peter, and we know of how Paul and Silas would go, and they spent time in prison, and they, Paul, he, he went and started many churches and all of this is well and great to know those who were on the forefront and we read about their journeys but the church consisted much more of much more than just a few individuals the church consisted of individuals like those names that we just read that we don't know anything about them we know Nothing about these except for maybe a few little anecdotes of Priscilla and Aquila and uh, and maybe uh, Phoebe also mentioned in First Corinthians. But these individuals that uh, we we hardly know anything about what they did. But that was the church. That was the body of Christ. Individuals who. They were serving, and I, I don't want to just say behind the scenes. I'm sure that many of these, as we read about them, that that it, you know, if we truly knew their stories, that they probably weren't all behind the scenes. There were many, perhaps starting churches and going, and you know, they were ministers of the gospel. But yet, we know history brings nothing to us about what they did. See, the New Testament church. Consisted of all of these people who was comprised of people just like you and me. People who played a significant role in the spread of the gospel message. Individuals who they, it, without them, the gospel never would have reached into Into what is Rome, who he's writing this this letter to here, the church that's in Rome. It never would have reached into these regions that uh, would end up being able to spread the gospel worldwide. Without them, and of course, I'm thankful for a man like Paul. I'm thankful for an apostle such as Paul who would go in and as an apostle would establish a work. And he would do the work of an apostle as he is... um, building a church, but then Paul would leave, and he would leave it to people like this. He entrusted the church with great leaders, both men and women, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile. And you can, as you read through this list of names, if you had any, some understanding of, of cultural culture there, you would, you could pick out that some of these names are of Jewish descent. Some of these names would come And be more likely of a Gentile descent. You have the educated and the uneducated. All of them were used in the early church. These people, they had careers outside of the church. Even Paul had a career outside of the church. You had these individuals who they sacrificed so that the church could be established, so that the church could prosper. It was upon these individuals that God entrusted everything after his death and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. God entrusted people like this, people who we don't know their story, but he said, I have full faith that my church is going to be in good hands. I have full faith in my people have full faith in these individuals that they are going to be able to reach this world with the the gospel, with the message of what I did when I was there with them. That these people, this is the church. This is the church. See, the church, it was not, we we didn't have a church until Jesus ascended. There was no church church improper, church uh, as we would know it, uh, that was established even when Jesus was here on earth, though Jesus did speak of the church. It's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, if you want to go there or just turn your attention to the screen. Jesus speaking here, he says, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's speaking to Peter in the midst of all the, the 12 disciples here, and, and he says this word that I, uh, or says, upon this rock I will build my church. My church, what is, what is the church? If you look at that word in the Greek, it comes from this word ecclesia, which is an assembly of People in this public place, especially in this religious assembly, it's now that doesn't give us much true understanding of what the church is. But when you begin to read the book, the letters that Paul writes, and you begin to see how the church cared for each other, when you see how Luke writes in in the book of Acts about how the church. They're there for one another. How the church, they uh, in, in fellowship with one another, would go from house to house. How they, even there in the early church, they sold everything, at least those in Jerusalem. They sold everything, distributed it among those who had needs. Uh, because they were the church. You see, Paul began to write in his letters about how they are—they are the body of Christ. They come together, and and they are the ones who uh, are, are li- uplifting each other. How they uh, should not have divisions among them, and how they need to have unity. And and we see the church begin to be established, and you, you can get this sense that it's it's more than just people who gather together on a Sunday for some worship. We're family. The church is meant to be a community of believers who come together and it's all centered on one thing. It's not centered on race. It's not centered on socioeconomic status. It's not centered on on your background or your, your, your family tree. It's all centered on the fact that Jesus came and that Jesus gave his life and that all of us without him would be so lost that without him... None of us, none of us could ever uh, truly make it to heaven. That Jesus is the center of everything that we do. And so the church was established. Jesus uh, speaking here really in a prophetic tone. He says that I will build my church. He hadn't done it yet, but I will build a group of people who they are going to be entrusted to reach this world. I entrust them with telling others about the love of Jesus. I entrust them with going and being the carriers of the gospel. I entrust them to live this out. I entrust them to be dedicated to this. I entrust them that they are going to sell out for this gospel message. I trust them. See, the church are those who are in the right relationship with God. The church is the body of Christ. It's the one who... Uh, it's the one who, as I said, is the body of Christ, but Christ is the head of the body. He is the head. So when Jesus says, "Upon this rock I will build my church," we need to realize there: you know, whose church is this? It's. He says, "I will build my church. I will build my church." The church must be built to the blueprints of the one to whom it belongs. We need today to operate, as I said, I believe in a restorationist gospel and a restorationist theology today, meaning that I don't want to look back just on church history, and I know there's been a lot of great men and individuals who have done a good job at at keeping uh, keeping to the truth and keeping to uh, to what jesus established how he established the church but but I, I I want to reach all the way back as long as we have the word of god i don't i don 't need to build this on what church history tells me. I want to build the church on what Jesus tells me and how the first church the apostles how they uh, how they built the church, those who were with Jesus, those whom he taught. I want to go back to that so whose church is it it's the Church of the Living God it's the Church of Jesus Christ in first Corinthians chapter 7 verses 23 and 24 I can get there Jesus is or Paul is Paul is writing here about the church and he says here we go. He says, ye are bought with a price, but not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man, wherein he is called, therein abide with God. That you've been bought. The church has been purchased. The price was the blood that was shed on Calvary. The church was purchased. That Jesus, when he gave his life, he gave it so that he could be the Redemption, the Redeemer of our souls. He would purchase the church. He purchased us. There's, uh, we have, he has already paid the price that was owed for the church uh, to be established. He's already, uh, this is really the only thing that God ever really had to purchase. Everything else he just created. He set in stone. He set it forth. But then, uh, because of sin, he had to redeem the church. He had to redeem the people. And so he purchased us back from from being slaves to sin. Okay, now that's the one question whose church is... The other question that comes from that scripture is, which rock are we speaking of? Upon this rock, I will build my church. Which rock? And I ask this question because... Uh, it's, it's been taught and, and believed that this is merely speaking of Peter, that Peter is the rock that Jesus is referring to, because if you uh, read this, uh, if you were to read this in the original language that it was spoken in, uh, what Jesus says is, upon this rock, Petra being the rock, I will build my church. And Peter was a name that was not given to him by birth. His name was Simon. Simon. And Simon, he was nicknamed, you could say, by Jesus himself, Peter, Petros, meaning a rock or a stone. And I believe that there is a twofold understanding of what Jesus is saying here, that it is Peter who was given the keys to the kingdom, it is Peter that would preach the first message to the church on the day of Pentecost, not many days after this, but It is not merely Peter that Jesus is speaking to here, but rather he's reaching back to a revelation that Peter had just had and just spoken uh, when he said those words upon this rock, I will build my church. So let's go uh, to pick up the two verses before uh, what we had read previously, Matthew 16, verses 16 and 17. Matthew 16, verses 16 and 17. And Simon Peter answered and he said, this is to the question that Jesus is asking. Who do men say that I am? Who, who, who do people believe that I am? And Peter, answering this, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. This is the rock. This is the foundation that Jesus was speaking about was this revelation. The revelation that Jesus is the Christ. That He was God manifest in flesh. That He was the Anointed One. He was the Messiah. That He was the Son of God. That is the rock that Jesus was speaking about when He said, Upon this rock I will build my church. What rock? On the understanding that Jesus is God manifest in flesh that Jesus himself has come to to pay the price for all humanity that Jesus is God here on earth that's that 's the rock that 's the understanding and the very foundation on which the church is established so when you have blueprints uh, you uh, you need to and i'm I am no builder myself it's it took me forever just to build a a bedroom in my house recently um, we needed an extra room for a baby, uh, but it, it took me forever. I, I am definitely no builder. You could go to my older brother. Uh, he's a custom home builder, and he could tell you all about blueprints, and he I've learned a little bit from him uh, that on the as you look at those blueprints, uh, you, as you begin to build, you don't want to deviate from the blueprints. There may be, in construction today, there may be some changes that come along the way, but, uh, but all of those are come and they, they agree to what those changes are. But, uh, but once the blueprints are set, if the carpenter then goes and says, you know, I, I think we ought to build a wall here instead of where it says there. I think it makes more sense for us to build, you know, this wall, uh, you know, a couple inches over from what the blueprints say. That whole house is going to end up a wreck. <laughs> And you may have uh, about as much uh, knowledge of building as I do, but we can at least understand that the blueprints are there so that we know where things go. We know what the essential elements are. And a true blueprint is not just going to have the essentials, but it's going to have everything that you need to know about the building of, of whatever it is that you're constructing. The elements that we have, and I, we're, we're just going to dive into four, essential elements of the church here this morning four essential elements you might say that these are the four walls that make up the outside of the church and of course the church is not what we look around if you spin your head around and see these four walls that's not the four walls that i'm speaking of we're talking about the church those of you spin around and look you see the smiling faces that are coming back at you that's that's the church and these are the four walls that the church is established upon. The four walls of the blueprint that make up the blueprint of the church. Those four walls are holiness, prayer, love, and demonstration. Holiness, prayer, love, and demonstration. And so, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 27. Ephesians 5 verse 27. says that he might present it to himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. This is speaking of the church. This is when God is speaking of the church in the end when he receives it to him at the end of time. He says it's going to be a holy church. It's going to be a church that is without spot or wrinkle. It's going to be that without blemish. It is a holy church, a church that has been set apart. If you look all throughout history, God made it clear that He expects the people who are devoted to Him to be a separated people. People who lived a distinctively different life from those that were around them. That all throughout, you go back... To the book of Genesis, and you go all through the Old Testament, you see over and over and over again that God's people were expected to be different from the world around them. They didn't serve the other gods. They didn't live and and, and, and even eat of the same things in the Old Testament. They didn't even wear. There were things that they were allowed to wear and they weren't allowed to wear. There were things that in their laws set them apart in just how they would treat others and even treat foreigners. There was things that set them apart from those around them. And that didn't change in the New Testament. Just because we came to a new covenant didn't mean that all of the separation, the idea of separation went away. It's essential. It it has always been God's expectation for His people that you would be a reflection of who I am. That you're not somebody who is just guided by the principles of humanity and the principles of of what you feel is right and wrong. But no, you are guided by the principles that I give you and that I establish, and even when it doesn't make sense, this is what God established in, for His people, and so we live by the principles that He gives us. So we, we can pick up in uh, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7, we see here this, establish, or this uh, establishment of, of being holy that was set forth for His people. It says, Sanctify yourselves, therefore, be holy. For I am the Lord your God. Be holy, be separated. And that very uh, scripture there did not change when we bring it into the New Testament context. When the church is established in First Peter, in fact, he reflects back to that same scripture, that same thing. And he applies it to the church of then, which is still the church of today. He says, First 1 Peter 1.15, But as he which hath called you is holy... So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it's written, be ye holy, for I am holy. This is this separation factor, the holiness factor. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it tells us, come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. This is the expectation for the church. This is an essential element of the church today. In First John chapter two, verse fifteen and sixteen, love not the world. Don't love the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Whew! That's a that's a big test that you that we ought to be faced with today. On if you were here with us on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, uh, we we read the scripture that uh, Paul is saying: Judge yourselves that you be not judged. Uh, i want to I want to put myself to this test today I want to judge myself in this manner today rather than being judged of this when i 'm standing before the judge. Do I love the world because if i if I have love for the world in me, it says then the love of the Father is not in me let 's hold up a mirror this morning let 's hold up a mirror that says that, do i do I cling to the things of the world? Are there things on my phone? That I cannot stop doing. if there are there things on here that, uh, that on, as I sit on my couch that I watch them on my television screen that, uh, that, that, that I just you know I cannot give up that entertainment even though I know even though I know it doesn't glorified God. Do I love the world? Are there places that I go that I know I shouldn't be going? Are there things and conversations uh, that I'm in, things that I say. That I know I shouldn't be partaking in those conversations. Or the thoughts that I allow myself to dwell on. That for me, I know that it doesn't line up to the word of God. But uh, for me, it makes sense to believe that. That's a love for the world. He says, if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. This is a foundational element or an essential element of the church. Next, essential element that we have is that of prayer. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, we see this, and we can pick up so many scriptures on prayer, but Acts 4, verse 31, it says, When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. As you see, that early New Testament church that it was a praying church. That they understood that there was power in prayer. They understood that prayer was the means by which they could connect back to Jesus. This Jesus who they had, some of them, had seen Jesus ascend up into heaven. But through prayer, they could bring him back down. And through prayer, they could connect with Jesus. We see that when they prayed, I would guess... That it was not just a simple prayer like you might pray before you go to bed. Before you eat your meal. Because those prayers, at least in, in, it's not to say a simple quiet prayer God does not respond to. But a prayer that is of the heart, a prayer that is full of faith. That's the kind of prayer that's going to shake the room that you're in. The righteous, or the fervent prayer of a righteous man. A prayer that you are desperate. A prayer that is full of faith. A prayer where you say, I need to touch the throne room of God. A prayer where you're not worried about those that are around you and what they're going to hear when you're praying, a prayer that even when you don't have anybody else around you, you're praying in your quiet place and you're alone time with God, a prayer. This is, this is this is what the church is established on is we need prayer warriors. We need people of prayer. We need people who will get into a place where they are shut in with God and they will pray. And we need people who not only when they're shut in with God, they're praying, but when they gather together as the church, that we have faith enough to lay hands on some and believe that they will recover. We need people who will pray and believe that God is going to do miraculous things here in this service today. The prayers of the people is what God responds to, the prayers of the people is what the church was established on. In fact, it was a prayer meeting in which the church was birthed. It was in a prayer meeting that the church got its beginning. It was in a 10-day prayer meeting that they were gathered together in Jerusalem, praying, seeking that comforter that Jesus said was going to come. And out of that, the church was established. That is the very foundation. It's in prayer. Let's pick up that verse in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Peter, therefore, he was kept in prison. A prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Peter was there in prison, but the church was praying and praying and praying without ceasing. They did not stop their prayers, and their prayers were answered. Peter ended up walking out of that prison cell because of the prayers of the church. As you read through the the story of that New Testament church in the book of Acts, we see them praying over and over for different things, we see that they prayed for God's guidance in Acts chapter one, verse twenty-four. We see that they prayed for boldness in Acts chapter four. We see them praying uh, and laying hands on leaders of the church and anointing them and sending them out. And so we see the prayers of the early church. We see them praying for the Holy Ghost and praying in the Holy Ghost. We see them praying for healing and God, uh, God working through them in acts of healing. We see them praying as they are spreading the gospel. We see them praying as they are adhering, uh, so that they would adhere to the gospel, so that they would not depart from it. There's prayer that's necessary in order to do that. We see them praying simply for communion with God. That it's not because they want something, or they need something, or they're asking God to move on their behalf. They're praying simply because they want to commune with God. They want to be there with Him church was established on prayer. If we are not a praying church, if we're missing this element, if you are missing this element in your life, we need to get it back. Let's go back to the blueprints. If you you don't have prayer as part of your life, we need to get that back as part of everything that we do, that that we pray first. We put prayer before anything, that prayer is a foundational element of the church. Amen. The next element that we have is love, or you might say, not just love, but unity. Love and unity. We see in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, 12 through 17. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man has a quarrel against any. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity or put on love, that's the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Amen. Through love, that we would love one another, that we would forgive one another as Christ forgave us. That let's let love be a foundational element of everything that we do. Uh, if we could pick up First Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 12 through 14. "For as the body is one and has many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized to one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we bond or free? We have all we have been all made to drink in one spirit. For the body is one member, not, or, or, for the body is not one member, but many, that we as the body of Christ, as, just as your body functions together. Just as the brain, it may tell your hand to go and pick something up. It's not just going to speak to the finger to go and pick that up. But everything in between my head down, all the way down my shoulder and down my arm and on all these bones and muscles and to my fingers and my hands, all of that cooperates with one another in order to respond to the message that comes from the head. And from that message that comes from the head, the body works together in order to do the work that needs to be done. And the church needs to function in the same manner. That can only happen when there's love. That can only happen when there's forgiveness. That can only happen when we are here uh, for one another, that the body of Christ is operating together in unity and in love. This is an essential element of the church. That even as Paul he interrupts his uh, his discourse on the gifts of the Spirit as you're reading through 1 Corinthians uh, chapters 12, 13, 14. Uh, uh, there seems to be an interruption of him talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about this as our last element of the church, but uh, he interrupts that and says, uh, all of that... Is needed, all of that should be in place. That the gifts of the Spirit need, they they should be operating within the church. But if you don't have love, you've got nothing. If you don't have love, this is why this is an essential element of the church: that love is the preeminent thing. Love for one another, love to come. To uh, work together as the body of Christ, love is necessary. All right, but we also, as the church, need to operate and to see the demonstration of the Spirit. You can have, you can have all three of these things up here, up on the top, but without the demonstration of the Spirit. You can, you can do all three of those things by your own power. You can separate yourself. You can pray. Now, I believe that miracles happen when we pray, and you're not the one responsible for the miracles happening, but you of yourself can pray. You of yourself, you can have love towards others, but you cannot of yourself have demonstration of the Spirit. That's why it's demonstration of the Spirit. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is speaking here of what is to come to those who receive his Spirit. He says, "Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. That the demonstration of the Spirit is going to be present when you have been full of the Holy Ghost. These yes, these signs are going to follow you. They will follow you. That the demonstration of the Spirit must be present. We see this again in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, and we're drawing this to a close. If our musicians want to come, in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse twelve it says, "Even even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church, At God's church." is meant to be alive. God's church is not a dead church. It's not something that we just gather together and we solemnly come. There's times for being solemn. There's times for coming together and just being even silent and just hearing from Him. But I believe that just as the early church grew because of the demonstration of the spirits and laying on of hands of people and seeing healings take place and miraculous things happening, just as the early church grew because of all the those things taking place that the church today needs to be operating in the same manner and we are operating i believe that the church as a whole is operating in that manner and we are seeing miraculous things take place and i believe that god wants to do that more and more and more and more as we see the day approaching if you could stand with me as we close this out this morning We don't want to just look to Peter and Paul and look to those disciples and say they did great things, they did wonderful things. Wow! Can you can you believe what God did back then, and not believe that God wants to do it through you? That if you are among the list of those that we read at the top top of this message this morning out of Romans, those who nobody may know your name. Nobody may know who you are. The history books may never write a story about you, but you're going to make a difference right where you're planted. You're going to make a difference. It doesn't have to be inside of these four walls. What we're talking about with the church is not just what takes place as we're gathered together right in here, but as the church begins to operate wherever you're at, in your workplace, when you're at the gym, when you're at the coffee shop, wherever you're at god wants to begin go on to, to to work through you and to see the church be edified because he's demonstrating his spirit through you Can we just lift up our hands this place I wonder if anybody would receive this word today if there's anybody in here maybe you if you look at this and you, you say there's some elements there that I'm missing or some things that I need to do better at there's some things that I need to build upon and go back to the blueprint because I've I started building some walls outside of that I started building some walls that uh, I thought were essential for me but you never put them there would you just give that to him right now. Would you say, God, help me to get back to the basics. God, help me to get back right now. Lord, I pray that you would help your church. God, I pray that you would help us today. Lord, it operates, Lord, back Lord, in the same means, God, that you did back in the first century church. Lord, that we could see great things happen today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen. Praise God. We have a song going to.
1: Hallelujah.